0: Well, praise the Lord, and welcome to Time with Pastor Curtis today. I'm excited to be here in the studio with you, gathered around God's Word. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3 today, so grab your Bibles, and let's get ready here in just a moment to dig in. We've got a thunderstorm passing over this morning. The Lord's given us some good spring showers that we need to make everything green and beautiful, so you might hear a little thunder banging outside. It's banging pretty good. And uh, But we're going to go on in this great opportunity we have to be here in 1 Peter this morning. And I've just been tremendously blessed in this this particular book. I love the writings of uh, the Apostle Peter that the Lord gave him to give to us, not just the people in that day. And so we we just excited. Every time we open the Bible, we're excited. We're excited. Uh, every time we get together and worship the Lord, I tell you, ever since the Lord is birthed, the message of the cross in our hearts began to reveal to us the great truth of His Son in the Word of God some 18 years ago. Not just that the Bible is about Jesus, but the avenue, exclusive avenue through which that the truths of Christ are applied to our hearts, that being faith in the cross alone Ever since that began for us here back in 2005, we have been in revival. I'm telling you, revival is not what men want to call it and make it look like revival. It's when God gets you back to the place where He gave you life initially. It's the only place to be revived again. And if you stay there, then you will just be living that life. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect and get it all right all the time, but it does mean that you will be experiencing what the Holy Spirit is, is putting before you each and every moment of your life, Second Corinthians 4, and that's the death of Jesus. So you might stay hidden in that place. You might minister from the wisdom and the power of that place, hallelujah, because you are being conformed, made conformable, rather, to that very image. And I'm thankful today to know that. I'm thankful today to know the truths that can save, the truth that can revive, to experiencing the salvation of our God and it's just it's just wonderful there's nothing like it in all the world or universe hallelujah so uh, today in first Peter chapter 3 that's where we'll be don't forget tomorrow night at six o'clock p.m central time the Andrew and Jonathan and Stephen Milani will be here with us doing their scarlet thread uh, podcast. Uh, This weekend, and that's tomorrow night at 6, and Pastor Dylan Salmon, who's preaching for us here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas, Sunday morning, will be here tomorrow also. And be on the podcast, so there will be five of us on that podcast. If you're in this area and you'd like to sit in the studio, be here a little before six tomorrow evening, and and just we'll just have a great time in the Lord and 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 dig into God's Word, and uh, so uh, and, and 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 so that's going to be Pastor Dylan Salmon preaching Sunday morning, and tomorrow night the Scarlet Thread is going to be. Uh, The podcast is going to be aired from here in the studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. So, praise the Lord God. Everything we do here at Crossway Church, you'll find on the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316. The website holds a year's worth of messages, but the YouTube channel holds it all. We never get rid of anything even after a year, it's all there. So I encourage you to avail yourself to what the Lord has given us that we've been given to remind you of. Hallelujah. So First Peter chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 14 again. Now, we've gone a little further than this, and we might again today, but we need to back up and not rush through this. There's some powerful truths here that need to be seen, experienced, it really is the Holy Spirit applies these great truths to our hearts so that we can be equipped and prepared for the work of His ministry in and through us and for His coming for us at any moment. So, 1 Peter chapter 3, this is part 7, on this 31st day of March 2023. Look at verse 14, the Bible says, But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. And now now when we read this, let's, let's back up a little bit further. It's hard not to back up when you get into the Word of God because wherever you are, there's something that got you there. And we need to reach back for what got us here so we can grab a hold of what we have here and get ready to go forward into more truth that the Lord has for us. So let's look at verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that? which is good. No, nobody's going to harm you if you do that, which is good. I mean, people may say things, may do things, but you're in the will of God because you're on the mission He's sent you to, to, to be on, and you're safe in his hands. No matter what they do to us, we're safe in his hands. But watch now in verse 14. But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, this means for the sake of living in, your justification out, walking in the path of righteousness. So when you look at the word righteousness sake, let's take a look at that. It means specifically your justification. If you suffer for living justified, and this is why most Christians, uh, well, it's really not the reason most Christians don't live in their justified state, in, in their positional state of righteousness and being just, most don't let that be the experience in their condition. And, and I hate to say it, I'm not being ugly. I've been there, I speak from experience, but we, 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 we still are clinging to too much of the world and to the degree we're clinging to the world. Now, this is what Jesus taught, so don't throw rocks at the preacher. Jesus said, if you're clinging to the Lord in his way, you'll be despising the ways of the world, the mammon. Whichever one you're clinging to, you're going to be despising. You're going to be ashamed and despising the other. Now, that's what Jesus taught. So uh, don't throw rocks at the preacher. And until the child of God realizes that it's his old wretched state, It's his old wretched state he's in. And and until he realizes it's him who's at fault and he stops blaming everybody else, the Lord is not going to be able to show them what he showed Paul, what he showed countless numbers of others who find that place where they want to serve God, they want to live for God, and they see that they can't, and they cry out, who's going to deliver this old wretched man from this body of death? I want to live for God. I want to serve God. I'm sick of me. I'm sick of me getting in the way. God sees that heart, and he brings the truth, the only truth. There's not different ways that God does things. This is where the church goes bonkers nuts because they don't, we don't understand the Scripture. God don't use all these other ways. God uses one avenue to draw you, to call you, to save you, and to bring you to the place of living out your sanctification, living out the righteous status you have in Christ Jesus. So if you, but, and if you suffer for righteousness sake, for living the life, the justified life, the crucified life, because there's no I mean, really if you think about this, the, the the division, the the opposition, the criticism, the and, and that and that is what he's referring to here. We'll see that in a minute. All that is caused by the offense of the cross. The offense of the cross not the offense of anything else the offense of nothing else the, the offense is is the rock the god said he placed a stumbling stone in zion a rock of offense it's it's what it's what makes christ our rock of ages that brings the offense, and what makes him our rock, unmovable rock of ages, is that which God did even before the foundation of the world, slaying the Lamb. So it's the cross that brings the offense because it's the cross that gave us our righteous status what Christ did in his death it, 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 it we're, we we who were sinful uh, became righteous in the one who knew no sin but died for us so that we could be made righteous in him so it's the the offense is not uh, the church having church meetings the offense is the righteousness of God. That's an exclusive place that that is heard from. That's an exclusive place it's imparted from. It's it's an exclusive place in which we receive it and it's an exclusive place place by which after we've been made righteous that we experience it it's not let me say this because I've heard the phrase well no matter how God does it no God don't do it in all these different ways there's one way his name is Jesus and what made him one way is the way of righteousness being the way of his cross that's why that's why preachers, uh, I mean, who can get up and quote the word and sound good, like what the church recognizes as a preacher today, but if they're not pointing to Calvary, nobody can be saved. If they're not pointing the church to Calvary, nobody can be revived. If they're not pointing the church to Calvary, those who do find a place of revival through the cross will not maintain that place of revival. We're kept, Peter wrote, by the power of kept by God, by the power of God through faith, listen, unto salvation. That's the fruit of salvation. So, but, and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are you and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. See, there's accusations there. Don't be afraid of their terror. That word means threats. So, there's things being said about those who are on the path of righteousness, becoming determined to know nothing else other than that which made them righteous and determined to know nothing other than that which allows them to bear forth the fruits of righteousness, which is the cross of Christ. We're, we're told that in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, that God forbids us to boast in anything other and when you get away from the focus of the cross, your fire goes out. I mean, you can even talk about the cross. You, you can mention it. You can, you can look at it. You, you, you can touch it. You can bend over and rub on it. But until you take it, up, Jesus said, you're just going to find a place of misery and confusion. Uh, you're going to find, uh, listen, we're not called to rub on the cross. We're not called to, uh, to, to, to just look at it. We're, we're not called to, to bend over and touch it occasionally. We're called to deny, self, take it up. Quit stumbling over it. Quit quit allowing it to be a rock of offense. Take it up and let it become your offense. All in all, because there's where God has done all in all for you through his son. Hallelujah. But and if you suffer for righteousness sake, and again, this means for justification, for carrying on living your life in the justified state. Nobody does it perfectly. And, and the more you desire to live this life, the more you're going to find just how wretched you are. It's not the other way. What we grow in is our dependence upon Christ. And yes, we are sanctified and we do grow and we do mature, but listen... The, 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 the view of the wretched man never goes away as a matter of reality. The closer you get to Christ, the more you cling to him and what he did at Calvary, the more you're going to see the need to cling tighter to him because the, the more you're going to see just how wretched you really are. Think about it. If you're looking at Calvary, and, and you have to be looking at Calvary if you're going to go from glory to glory, 2 Corinthians 3.18. If you're not looking, if you're not beholding as in a mirror that which... You are being changed into, and the Bible says in Philippians 3:10, that's the death of Jesus. Then, then you're not going to be able to go from glory to glory. And, and, and only in, when you're going from glory to glory are you going to be able to be happy and blessed when you're suffering for righteousness' sake. And if we don't learn this process, my friends, this is why we'll put that we'll we'll, we'll put that cross down uh, in times of suffering when we're being threatened by our family. Threatened by our loved ones, threatened by our coworkers, and I don't mean threatened like I'm going to kill you, but threatened by opposition, by resistance, threatened by words of of of, of ridicule and criticism, and, and how you know how we're threatened by being ostracized or or, or you know gotten rid of, get away from them. They're, all they want to talk about is the cross. Well, the cross is what made us just. What Christ did on the tree made us just. It justified us, made us righteous. And that's why God forbids we boast in anything. That's why God forbids that we look at anything other than that which we're being made conformable to. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. But watch now, because the situation here is you being talked about and threatened in certain ways... And uh, the enemy through those who are enemies of the cross or are, are maybe not quite walking yet in a place where they understand what you do, which doesn't make you and I better than them, but it does mean we don't stop boasting because they haven't learned to yet. Hallelujah. We don't condemn anybody, but we don't stop boasting in the cross. See, when, listen, when the church stops wanting to hear the message of the cross, the preacher can't stop preaching it. When the money stops coming in, And the people start leaving, which means the money stops coming in and the finances get down. And just because the excitement in the congregation in the pew is left the the focus of Calvary, the excitement about The cross doesn't mean that we get to walk away from preaching it. We keep preaching it so God can keep sorting out what's happening in the pew. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We don't become a part of what's happening in the pew. We keep putting on the table what allows God to keep doing in the pew, in the congregation, what it is he's able to do where and when he's able to do it. I've been saying this lately. I ministered along these lines last Sunday morning in Austin, Texas. And yesterday, my session, it came out. You and I, my friend, who are learning God's word in the context of its righteousness, which is the only context it's written, Proverbs 8 and 8, in the context of the cross of Christ, we're going to have to learn to be satisfied and content with what God is doing through our faith in the cross no matter which way it goes, no matter what is going on no matter who's departing no matter what's being said, no matter the threats or the trouble that's trying to come listen, the answer is given here for all of that, it's not moving away from the cross and being moved on into a leaven because the minister the pulpit is where the leaven is, not the congregation the pulpit, the, the the, the congregation, there's all sorts of mixture in the congregation, but there can be no mixture where the the, the groceries, so to speak, are being put on the table. There, there can be no mixture there allowed. And when that is allowed, then everything is going to be leavened. Not, not everything is everything is going to be leavened when there's a mixture in the place where the groceries, so to speak, are put on the table in the pulpit. So we have to remember that. So the the, 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 the fold ministry is, is what the Lord has given the church so that we can learn not to be blown away by every wind of doctrine that can only leaven the lump. So amen and hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. Watch now. But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake... Happy are you, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. That means you're blessed in God's eyes. You're blessed to be being troubled and criticized over your. Your your, your single eyed your your determination to know nothing else uh, to stay hidden in Christ to 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 preach the word of the god truth of the gospel and to stay the course uh, you, you're you're going to be criticized you're going to be troubled you're going to be threatened again maybe not your life could be one day but just threatened that you you know you'll no longer be welcome here I mean people people now are being uh, run off from congregations because they want to start talking about the the sacrifice of Christ all the time that they're they're being pushed aside and 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 you know uh you'll be thrown away and the enemy will be saying that you're the one throwing us away but they're the ones they're the ones causing the trouble you remember Elijah and Ahab when Ahab uh, you who troubleth Israel told that to to, to 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 Elijah. And Elijah said, No, sir, you the one that's the problem. You are the trouble of Israel. And why was that? Because he was the king. That's where the groceries come from, my friend, right there. The leadership, the pastors, the ones who are in charge. That wherever the groceries are put on the table and Ahab was the one who was allowing his wife, Jezebel, to put the groceries on the table and look what it did to Israel. But God sent a man, hallelujah. God sent Elijah and said, no, sir, you're the problem. You're the one who's troubling Israel. It's, the trouble always comes from those who are staggering all over the cross and refusing just to take it up, hallelujah, and to carry it and it alone. That's it. Take it. It's the only place self can be denied. And let me remind us that self is where all our problems come from. That selfish thing that's dwelling within our members that wants our way. I want to do what I want to do with who I want to do it, where I want to do it, why I want to do it, and how I want to do it. And if you stick your finger into my plans, oh, that'll just irritate me. Oh, self, 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 that three-headed monster, me, myself, and I. And Jesus said the cross daily is the only answer. For self. You can't run self off. You can't shut self up. You're not going to run it off. You're not going to shut it up. But you can learn to deny it through faith in the sacrifice of Christ. That means take that cross up and don't put it down. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Look, here's the answer, though. Here's the answer to all the accusations, all the threatenings, all the, the religious phrases that come in. They've made a cross out of preaching the law. They're elitists. They're this, they're that. Here's the answer for all the threats by those who just don't understand, who claim they understand, but Here's the answer. But you, my friends, sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. And it's no wonder, listen carefully, it's no wonder this is literally rendered be ready always to give your defense. That's what this says. Look it up. Look into the words here. It says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts." That means set him apart. It means give him the place that he's going to have to have for you to be able to to walk through what you're walking through. My Lord, I need to say that again. This means set him apart to, uh, uh, in your heart to give him the place that he's going to have to have in your heart for you to be. Be able to deal with this, to stand in this, to walk through this. Glory be to God. So that you can have an answer for your defense. And we only have one. I said it last week. One defense. It's our righteousness. Hallelujah. Maybe this is the portion of Scripture that song was written from. I have no idea, but I love that song that says, My one defense, my righteousness. Hallelujah. It's Jesus and what he did at Calvary. It doesn't come from anywhere else. And if I will just reach in from my heart and hold dear my Christ, my Savior, and what he did for me at Calvary, not just a passing thought, but surrendered to that place, giving the Lord the preeminence in my heart that he earned through Calvary's sacrifice, then I will find the wisdom and the power that the Bible says the preaching of the cross is. I will find the wisdom and the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit to to have my heart filled with the word of my defense. Hallelujah. The answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you in meekness and fear, in humility and fear. Listen, this means, listen very carefully, this means I don't have to get loud. I don't have to become obnoxious. I don't have to become angry because they aren't getting it. I literally see that my faith in my Jesus and what he did at Calvary has given me my place in him. My security my assurance Oh, the quietness and stillness of my soul. I don't have to get irate. I don't have to attack back those who are attacking me all I have to do is give the Lord the place he deserves in my heart in that place that I set him apart is the place where he set me apart in his death. Hallelujah! I, I, that's where I find my security, my assurance, my the stillness of soul, quietness. I don't have to 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 to, to act like like I'm really not sure of what I have. I, I listen. I listen. This why the Bible says that we to give a reason of our defense an answer for our defense as to why our hope is where it is. Hallelujah. It, you, you don't have to be irate and obnoxious and mean and have a religious mean bitter spirit and, because they don't get it, they don't understand, or because they're attacking you. We can, we can share this hope that we have because we understand the Lord is in charge of everything going on. He's in charge of what they're doing, what they're saying. He's not making them do it, but he's in charge. As Jesus told Pilate, when Pilate said, Boy, aren't you going to answer me? Don't you know I have the power to have you crucified or to let you go? And Jesus humbly told him, No, my father has all authority, and you only can do what he allows you to do. This is the very picture of that, and don't try to tell me that we can't function this way. Number one, Jesus endured the cross so that we could endure all these things. If we deny self and take up our cross, meaning faith in His cross, you've come too late to tell me that the child of God cannot experience what's written here. You've come too late. Now, do we all the time? No, but can we all the time? Yes, because we're told to, and God won't tell you to do anything that He won't empower you by His Spirit to do if He finds your faith where it has to be for Him to do it. He doesn't do it because you you want him to do it. He doesn't do it because you ask him to do it. He doesn't do it because you're doing anything else. He does it because your faith is where it should be in the death of Jesus, that which you're being made conformable to. I'm sorry for most of the church not understanding this. I hate it that I didn't for years. I hate it that most who are told now, saying, no, 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 that's where we started. My friend, if you don't go back to where we started, then you, you you didn't get very far from where you started. If you don't carry the cross that saved you, you 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 ain't gone nowhere yet. you running and beating the air and putting on a good show, but until you take that, that cross up, my friend. You just like on a treadmill. You're not going. What? What? I. You're going nowhere. <laughs> so this is why Christians don't pass the test that they get in, and we just walk away from ever failed test like a puppet on a string, saying what Satan has a saying: facts, factual statements. Well, nobody's perfect. I guess nobody's perfect. No, that's true. That's true. Nobody's perfect, but we're called to be perfect. And though we'll never be completely perfect, we're called to be perfect. We're called to keep our faith in that which perfected us, where the perfect love is found and cast out fear, which is why these things aren't experienced. Instead of fearing the Lord, get this in this portion of Scripture, sanctifying the Lord God apart in our hearts is the fear of the Lord taking place instead of us fearing men and their threats and their revilings and all that they offer because of our determination to keep walking on this path of righteousness. That means keep being determined to know nothing other than what justified us and made us righteous, hallelujah. This is where we find the fear of the Lord and allow the fear of the Lord to rule in our hearts or the fear of the man to continue to put us in a snare. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare, it's a trap. And if we don't understand the power and the wisdom of the cross, then we're not. We, listen, and even when we think we are overcoming, if it's not through our faith in the sacrifice then it's it's through our faith in our actions of 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 being sweet and nice and just saying kind words of which we all should be. but if our faith is not anchored in the sacrifice, then we didn't make it through that by the power of the Holy Spirit. we made that through that by doing what we had to do to go around the situation. The only way through a situation is with the cross. You going around situations and make it appear like you you've made it past it, but you didn't go through it. You went around it with what you could do. You take up the cross and deny self. The Lord will show you His strength on your behalf and walk you right through. Ever valley of ever shadow of all death on this journey. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Watch now, but sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts. Give Him the place He deserves to have, that place of rulership. He reigns through your faith in His sacrifice. He reigns through your faith in His sacrifice. He saved you through your faith in his sacrifice. He will keep you every step along the way through your surrendered heart's faith in his sacrifice. He will minister to you and through you, preacher, through your surrendered heart of faith in his sacrifice. That place is where we're removed, and he shows his strength on our behalf. Where we don't try to control the congregation, but we put the groceries on the table that allows him to control when given control by the people. Because he doesn't take control unless he's given control. You need to understand that. The Lord doesn't throw people up against the wall and throw them down on the floor and change their lives. He simply, with a still, small voice, offers The opportunity every moment, moment by moment for you to look at what his son did for you at Calvary. And as long as you're looking there, trusting in that object of faith, then you're going to find the experience of what is written. And you're going to find yourself dealing properly with those who are criticizing, threatening. And you're going to find yourself, this is the only way, the cross of Christ And your faith therein is the only way to find yourself blessed in the midst of all that goes on because of your suffering for righteousness sake. Be ready always to give an answer. That means to give an answer, to give the defense. Why this righteousness where you stand, it is your defense. You don't listen, it's defending you, Hallelujah. The cross of Christ is what saved you and it alone is what's defending you. You and I are just called to have a word ready for our def- that, of that which is our defense. We, we, listen, we, we talk about def- there is a defense of the gospel, but it's simply the testimony of the blood of the Lamb. If it's anything carnal that we do to try to defend the gospel, then we're not walking in the proper place of the defense of the gospel. Let me say this today before we move on. The power of the Holy Spirit is in the gospel. The power of the Holy Spirit is in and through faith in the gospel. It's nowhere else. It won't, God won't give it through any other avenue. The more you learn God's word in the context of righteousness, which is the cross of Christ, the more you'll understand about the Holy Spirit. The less you're learning about God's word in the context of righteousness, the cross of Christ, the less you know about the Holy Spirit. So the more you'll have to make up and say that's the Holy That's why you hear preachers a lot say, Well, that's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. But if it's not the focus of Calvary, they're trying to move you. They're trying to move you. And it, let me say this today. If it's not the truth of God's Word moving you, you're not being moved by God. Jesus said the Spirit of God would come and guide us. That's movement into all truth. If you're not being moved by the truth of the scriptures, you're not being moved by the God of the scriptures. Don't forget that. And I know most of the church won't hear this today. You got your wave church, you vibe church. You you got you all you different kinds of churches based on what you wear, how much money you don't have, how much money you do have, how you talk, the color of your skin. You got all these things. But let me tell you something: God's people of all situations and all things in life are gathered around the sacrifice. No matter what color we are, no matter how much money we don't have or do have, no matter what. The label is on our jeans or the tag is on our vehicles. We gathered around the sacrifice. God says, Gather my people unto me who've made a sacrifice. Hallelujah. It's in Psalms. God's people are not gathered around a denomination. I don't care what they say and how much they try to defend their denominations. God is not gathering his people around a preacher or a denomination. I'm talking about a preacher's name or a ministry or a denomination. He's gathering his people around the sacrifice or you are not a part of the gathering process of God. Man is doing most of the gathering, most of the stamping the Holy Ghost, on everything and that's why the tests that are before the church they never pass it even when they think they do they don't they can't without the cross being taken up and going through every situation it's an impossibility it's an impossibility I was telling my wife Robin last night all the self help programs in the church today self can't help self Oh, hear that today. Self can't help self. Self can only deceitfully deceive self. That's what the sin nature is. Selfish nature. Selfish. Self-help. See how ridiculous that sounds? Self can't help self. That's why God had to send his son to do away with self. And the only answer for that three-headed monster of me, myself, and I, I'll do it my way. I'll use a scripture and I'll just tag a scripture on my way. Well, it won't work. Jesus said the only way that you can deny self is if you... Take up the cross, that's his cross. Take up your cross. Listen, anything you got's his. The faith you live by is his. The glory that you have in him that's in you, it's he. Ain't nothing you got, honey, that's not his. And you need to understand that. The cross he told you to take up to be able to follow him is his cross. The one you were crucified with him, hallelujah, it's you letting him reign, be sanctified in your heart. Have that preeminent place in your heart where you live according to the fear of the Lord and not the fear of man. Glory be to God. And this is, this is why we can do this in meekness and the fear of the Lord because meekness can't be found in the fear of man. We can look like we're humble as we submit to a people who don't want to hear about the cross anymore. We we can look like we're humble, but we're not in God's eyes. God, God sees no humility that's not the humility of His Son and His Son's cross. He sees no humility. Remember, anything we've got to experience, it belongs to Christ. We're not humble unless it's the humility of Christ we're experiencing. And that humility carried him in obedience unto the death of Calvary. I want you to hear that again. His humility carried him in obedience to the death of Calvary. Glory be to God. Thank you for the Lamb. Hallelujah. Glory be to the Lamb of God. There is no humility. There is no meekness unless it's the meekness of Christ at work in our hearts. This is why we have to set him apart before all this, above all this, and we have to have this fear, the fear of the Lord. If we don't have our object of the cross as our faith, then what we're calling meekness is not going to be meekness he recognizes because it's not going to be the fear that he allows us to experience his confidence. See, the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. What is it, Proverbs uh, 14, 26, and 27? The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. The fear of the Lord delivers us from the snare of death. Death is not just physical life. Death is, is, be, is being separated from God's will. Remember, the church in Sardis told they were dead in in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And Paul says in Romans chapter 7, he said, I was alive once without the law. That's talking about his born-again experience. But when the commandment came, when he looked back to the commandment, the sin nature revived and he died. So, The fear of man is that death, a non fruit bearing journey. A non fruit, every step we take in the fear of man is a non fruit bearing step. Come on, somebody. Every step we take in the faith, in the truth, in the path of righteousness is a fruit bearing, fruits of righteousness, a fruit bearing step. Every step. And we can take a step here and then a step there. We can be in the fear of the Lord and. In the fear of man. You know it's true. We can be in the fear of the Lord and in the fear of the man. and the fear of man, trapped, snared by what they think, by what they're giving or not giving, snared by what they think about us or don't think about us, how they treat us or or don't treat us, how they start ignoring us. All the fear of man. There's an attempt to snare you in all that, but the fear of the Lord through the humility of the Lord will allow us to... Set the Lord apart, give Him that place of preeminence in our heart, even in the midst of all threatenings. And we needed to go over this again, as we did last week, and now you see why. The great truth that lies here for the hungry and the thirsty for righteousness. Because, listen, if we fall prey to the fear of man, the fruit of right, we can still be saying the right words. I'm hungry and thirsty for your righteousness, and we may be. But the experience of that, he said, if you hunger and thirst, he will fill you. Fill you with what? The fruits of that which you're hungering and thirsting for. But listen, this proves that because I'm saying I hunger and thirst doesn't mean my heart is. I can be going through the motions if I'm truly hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God, God is going to show me from where I partake. If I reject that, then I'm at, from that point on, my words are just words without heart involvement. Because God doesn't honor what we say, God's listening to what our heart is saying. Come on somebody. It's with the heart man believes. Let me say it this way. It's with the heart man hungers and thirsts after righteousness. How can I say that? Because it's with the heart men believe unto righteousness. The heart has to be hungering and thirsting after righteousness for the Lord God to fill that heart with the the fruits of His righteousness. So we needed to talk about these scriptures again. But see, it has to be experienced in meekness, humility, and the fear of the Lord. And it has to be the humility, the meekness of Christ through his obedience unto death on the cross, my friend. If we're just trying to, to, to be, be more humble to deal with things in and of ourselves without the cross, it's, not gonna ha- it's never going to happen because without the cross, I'm left to self-deceit, self-helping self. Self has to be gotten rid of, put aside, and the way he was is he was. I don't crucify self. I keep my faith in what has him crucified already and buried and put away. Hallelujah. Do you understand this? I don't crucify myself to handle this. My faith remains in Christ, crucifying me in himself. I'm crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. As the last Adam, he represented me and in his substitutionary work of righteousness, atoning for my sin, I was crucified with him through my faith in him and my faith remaining there Allows the humility of my Savior to work in my heart, the fear of the Lord to work in my heart to give me the confidence that I need that delivers me from the snare of these traps, of these words, these threatenings, these revilings that come at me for righteousness' sake, for the sake of staying on this path for the sake of staying determined to know nothing else, to, per, to, to partake of nothing else for the sake of staying on the path of righteousness. Hallelujah. Watch this now, verse 16. Finally, time to move on. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you, see, this is the context being threatened people speaking evil of you using sweet little cute little religious phrases because it 99% of it comes from people who are saved or among the saved get this now having a good conscience the only way you can have this good conscience is if your faith is in the sacrifice of Christ I'm not talking about you saying, "Of course it is." That's how that. Of course it. Is. No. If that's where your faith is, that's what you're going to be talking about, my friend. That's what your boast is going to be in, my friend. And if it's not what you're talking about, if it's not what your faith is in. Your conscience can't be good, and I'll show you why. If you look on the word conscience, this is so powerful, it means co-perception. For your conscience that all men have, but Christians now have a, a clean conscience because of their faith in the sacrifice. So if your faith remains in the sacrifice, and it's not there all the time, come on, somebody. Your faith is not there all the time. How do you know that? Well, I believe in the cross. I always believe it's true. But your faith is not always there. Because while your faith is in the sacrifice, while your heart is surrendered to the death of your Savior and you're united with Him, and through your faith in His death, you're not doing the big piece of stupid that you do. It's while you're not trusting in that sacrifice, your union with your Savior in His death, that you're committing, let me say it a better way, that selfish self is doing what He wants to do, doing it His way. So, what this is worth writing down, my friends, the conscience that we have as Christians is a co perception, kind of like co laborer, it's a co perception. Get this? It's a co-perception. So I want to give this other scripture to you from Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit itself, the Spirit of God itself, we should say himself, bears witness with our spirit. Here's that co-perception. You got to have somebody you're in, you're in agreement with. A co perception. You got to be seeing what the person who sees right is seeing to have a clean conscience. Let me say that again. To be a co laborer, you got to be laboring according to the scriptures. To be a co laborer with the Lord, you got to be seeing what the Lord's work is, from where all his works come from. To be, to have a clean conscience, a good conscience. And your conscience can be severed, even as a child of God. It can be becoming severed and, and what's the word, Uh, uh, like you're uh, seared, like the calluses. Your conscience can become that way if you stop looking and being determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. You stop losing the perception of the one who you must remain in co-perception with. Perception means the way you see things. And Jesus told Nicodemus concerning the entrance into God's kingdom or even being able to see God's kingdom, Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't enter it or you can't see it without being born again. So in that that, that that declaration of our Savior, Jesus is telling us there is no eyesight until you're born again through faith in the death, the blood, the cross of Christ. There is no other place to be to experience co perception unless you're seeing from the place God sees. All things. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world because that would be God's view into and through everything that he would be found doing among men. You need to hear that again. God's view, God's vision is only into that which he did on Calvary's cross and all his works are done in that truth. Psalms 33, 4. The word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. Jesus is the truth, hallelujah, that liberates men. So God's perception, the way God sees all things, and we know that because God's prophetic word is prophetic, it speaks so that we can see what we're hearing. Amen. Isn't that true? God's prophetic words are there so that we can see and the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So a good conscience can only be experienced by the Christian if we're looking with, at the same thing our God is looking at. And our perception has to be the way that God is looking at everything and that's through the blood of Jesus. How do I know? Well, he's changing us as the children of God by that which he's telling us to behold. 2 Corinthians 3.18, I've mentioned it already. Preachers preach that, talk about that without pointing to Calvary. It ain't nothing but vain and futile words. It means nothing. Without the cross, God's word means absolutely nothing. for It cannot be applied to the heart without the blood of Jesus being the object, sole object of our faith. Don't matter what anybody says, that's what brings the threats. That's what brings the, 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 all the temptations for you and I to move away from what we have. But co, a good conscience is co-perception. That means I am co-seeing what my God sees. This is what makes our conscience good as Christians clean and clear as Christians if we're seeing what God sees everything through and that would be the slain lamb. Everything. Everything. No one sees the kingdom. No one can enter the kingdom until they have eyes that are given them, vision given them through the blood, through that which God perceives as His way, perceives as His wisdom, His strength. All that he is to man, he offers it to us in Christ on the tree, on the cross. Romans 8, 16, let's read all of it this time. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead himself, bears witness with our spirit. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This is how we have the good conscience because the Spirit of God is bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And how are we the children of God? In Christ. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that we're all the children of God, but but it doesn't stop there. It says, in Christ Jesus. God has no children outside of Christ. All of God's children, we're all children of creation, but only those who are in Christ are the children of God. Hallelujah, to the Lamb. So let's look at this. Having a good conscience means that we are co-perceiving what God perceives. That means we're seeing through what God looks through to see what gives us this good conscience, which is what His Son did for us at Calvary. This is why the Word of God can never be outside, never be outside the context of Christ crucified because all of God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. And His righteousness, my friend, the Bible tells us in Romans 1, 16 and 17, His righteousness in which all His words are found in His righteousness is found in the gospel, in the gospel. So there is no understanding or impartation or a walk of faith to faith to faith to faith if we're not seeing God's righteousness in the gospel, in all His words, because all His words are in that. This is where the rub comes in. This is where the threatenings come in. Being determined to know this. Being determined to keep the Lord set apart in our hearts because of what He is to us, who He is to us, what He's done for us, what He's done to us. Hallelujah. Let's read this verse now. Run running out of time. Verse 16. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you... As of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conduct in Christ. And let's say this, we're running out of time, three or four minutes left, but there is no good conduct outside of Christ. Now, I started a a message series this past Wednesday night that I believe the Lord is going to show some profound and amazing truths that we desperately need to know in these last moments of this age about being found, being found in Christ. And I I encourage you to to go to the YouTube channel and listen to last Wednesday night's message and 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 put it in your reminders to follow along if you can during or after these messages. You desperately need to hear these things. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conduct in Christ. See, and, and here, it, it, what's brought into the picture here is your good conduct. But if you, it, and it says conversation, so it means conduct. But if you look the word conversation up, and I like to do this right in the middle of our our, our Bible studies. Uh, I've already done it, but I like to do it and give you time to do it with me. It means behavior. It means behavior. Conversation means behavior. It means your conduct, And Because people, listen, people whose lives are not being lived out through faith in the sacrifice, it's not the same. I don't care how often they're in church or how much they're doing. There's a form there. There's a form there of godliness, but there is no power there. And my friend, if you don't think that that the difference can't be seen by God, you're wrong. And if God is seeing that which only has a form of godliness but no power... Remember, the good conscience is a co-perception. That's why Paul was so quickly enabled by the Holy Spirit and quickened by the Holy Spirit and could be shown by the Holy Spirit in Antioch why Peter was in the wrong and was to blame for the wrong that was going on there because Paul had his faith anchored in the sacrifice of Christ in what? the Lord did to justify them and he could be used by the Lord to bring the message that could be bring Peter back onto the path that he was scared. This would have been a great portion of Scripture to bring that that happened in Antioch to Peter in because he feared men and not the Lord. He, in a moment's time, he was no longer sanctifying the Lord in his heart until he heard the message from Paul that allowed him to come back and grab a hold to that one thing, that one thing that allowed him to once again sanctify the Lord God in his heart with a good conscience See the way he should be seeing, the way God sees. Hallelujah. What a great broadcast today. I've loved every second of it, and I love you, and I love those that God is stirring and awakening and bringing back. ...to this great truth, for he is not outside of it doing anything. He, All his works are done in truth. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. That narrows it down to what he did at Calvary as who he was as the Lamb of God. And I'm thankful to know these things today. I'm thankful to be sharing these things with you. And I encourage you to pray for us. If the Lord stirs your heart to give an offering to him through this ministry... I I, I tell you, he he might just do that. It's between you and him, but it's very easily done. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. I'll tell you right up front, we don't need money. Listen, it takes money to do what we do. All we need is the Lord. You probably need to give to the Lord. Because the need is in us giving to him and his work. Not that that we need. Listen, the Lord is our shepherd and we have no lack. The need is for us to be faithful with what we have to him. And again, if he stirs your heart to give... Just rewind this and you'll see it listed right on the screen for you. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget, the Scarlet Thread tomorrow night will air from right here in the studio in Queen City, Texas at Crossway Church. And Sunday morning, Pastor Dylan Salmon from One Way Cross Ministries in Cleveland, Tennessee will be here with us. And we're excited about that, looking forward to it. Andrew and I will be traveling next month to be with Pastor Scotty Williams in Dublin, Georgia, and then the month after that, I and my wife will be going to uh, Naples, Florida, and to minister with uh, Pastor Mahari Warfield and several people coming from all directions there in Naples, Florida. That's the first weekend in May, and then in June, we'll be up in the the Marlton, New Jersey area, area, so make plans to meet with us there. I'd love to meet you, Love to hug your neck and praise God for you right there in the presence of God with you. And so I hope to see you at some of these places around. God bless you. I love you till I see you again. Stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.